Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm unfortunately not joined here by my co-host, Jaron, today, as he had some prior things that he kind of had to attend to. But nonetheless, we are going to be finishing out our player profiles. We only have one left with Kyrie Irving after we do this Luka Doncic one today. Uh, You know, for those of you who haven't uh, been introduced to this series, this is where we take a player from the Mavericks last year, and we obviously just sort of microanalyze his game, how he played all of last season, and we'll be doing that here with Luca today. Um, you know, obviously another All NBA first team year for him, uh, one of his best offensive seasons, um, but definitely also probably you know a season that featured the most triumph for him uh, in a Dallas Mavericks uniform after coming off you know a Western Conference Finals run. Uh, a lot more losing than he's really had to do since his rookie year. It was definitely a uh, a tough mental year for him, and I think that we could see that towards the end of the year. But it did feature some very stellar play, and Luca is obviously the the you know single most integral part of this Mavericks roster going forward. So how they fine tune the rest of the roster around him is going to be very interesting to see. We'll talk a lot today about how the Mavericks roster uh, wasn't necessarily curated or optimized around him uh, as as good as it could have been last year, or even if, you know, it wasn't able, you know, the the players in the front office weren't able to, you know, curate that roster to the best of their abilities to to fit around Luka because uh, of the lack of assets or whatever the case may be. You know, it, it's still course for discussion of, you know, if, if we're looking at comparatively um, how Luca played, you know, last year versus how, you know, if, if the Mavericks are able to get some more optimal uh, personnel in-house, how, you know, it, they will be able to feature him this year. So this will be, a, you know, a huge deep dive upon Luca's game. Uh, really excited for this podcast. And like I said, we only have one more player profile after this. Uh, that being Kyrie Irving, and then we'll be starting to hash out our draft profiles. Hopefully, Jaren will be back with me to uh, for the Kyrie Irving podcast. But uh, nonetheless, we're going to go ahead and get uh, cranking on this one um, with the Luka Doncic season interview for the 2022-2023 NBA season. But before we do that, here's an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, guys. So getting into it, Luca is obviously the spearhead of you know everything the Mavericks do from an offensive perspective. You know, All NBA first team last year, he averaged thirty two point four points per game, um, eight point zero assists per game, eight point six rebounds per game. Uh, definitely his, I think, you know, highest counting stats of his career. Um, if we're you know just kind of across the board when you look at everything here, um, percentages. We're pretty in line, though, with what we've typically seen. Um, he did play 36.2 minutes per game last year, which obviously um, you can kind of infer was, you know, due to the Mavericks' lack of, you know, personnel uh, outside of him. They they had a severe lack of playmaking and, and ball handling throughout the year. 
now you know Luca is obviously you know obviously a guy that's going to play you know above 30 minutes a game just due to his status he even did so his rookie year but you would like to get that number just slightly down if possible last year was you know a, a great season for him I mean I, I can think back to that seven game stretch kind of you know at the end of December uh, when he had that 60 point outing versus New York and the crazy buzzer beater to send it to overtime those two 50 point games versus both the Spurs and Rockets of you know respectively he obviously you know elevated to a complete different tier uh, when he was kind of tasked to do so this year and it, you know it was crazy to see but it was also a load that you know I wouldn't say isn't sustainable especially if he's able to get his conditioning a little bit better uh, but it was a load that you know is really hard to um, you know burden for one singular player on a team you know despite who's around him and obviously some of the offensive duties uh, that he had to handle uh, you know were kind of delegated to Kyrie once that move happened but you know once Jalen Brunson had left that Mavericks team at the beginning of the season you know pre-trade deadline Luca was bearing a lot of the load and you could definitely you know probably say that it got it kind of caught up to him at certain points throughout the season you know I know the whole, whole new MVP rule with 70 70 games and everything like that Luca has you know, not played over 70 games since his rookie year where he played 72 games um, this past year. Um, he played 66 and year before that he played 65 uh, year before that he played 66. Uh, and then that bubble season, he played 61 kind of crazy to think that it's been four seasons. Um, you know, if we're including the bubble uh, since the bubble, uh, but it has been, you know, obviously a sort of roller coaster you know, in the NBA world since then. And Luca has kind of, you know, unfortunately been dealing with some of these little nagging injuries, you know, season to season. I wouldn't say enough to where the Mavericks, you know, wouldn't have the wherewithal or, or the ability to be able to, you know, withstand it. Uh, if they did build a proper roster, I, I wouldn't say uh, that is completely sacrificial to the team, but given the personnel of the Mavericks, it obviously, you know, it, it's going to be rough, you know, in a season like last year uh, where Luca has to, you know, shoulder that much of a burden. And, you know, the team obviously simply wasn't able to uh, perform up to standard and, you know, fulfill their role. That's it's not a recipe for success, obviously, to uh, to shovel that much on on one player. But, you know, we've, we've seen stars in the NBA in years past um, be able to you know, handle it uh, just a little bit better, even if their team isn't winning as, as much. And, you know, that obviously is um, something that we can kind of point towards in terms of Luka's conditioning, uh, just getting in a little bit better shape as his career progresses is going to be huge uh, for his overall durability and sustainability as a player, because we don't want, you know, any of these, you know, little ankle pop-ups that, you know, ha happen periodically uh, throughout the last few years with him to, culminate into something bigger you know culminate into uh other leg issues uh you know chronic ankle issues something like that you know that that would really suck so um you know not it's not just the mavericks in terms of them getting personnel um to obviously curate and you know sort of fit and fine-tune the roster around luca but it's also on him to to get into you know that pristine shape to where you know maybe if he makes a certain cut there's not as much weight bearing down 
um, things of that nature, right? But at the same time, I'm not in the camp here that's, you know, about to say that Luca is a guy that needs to lose a ton of weight or, you know, needs to do X, Y, and Z. You know, he is a professional athlete. At the end of the day, he is in good shape. I'm, I'm not here to uh, defame him or anything like that. Um, but, you know, from an NBA player's perspective, I think that we can all agree that, you know, given that these egregious workloads that he's had to shoulder, it would be beneficial to his game as well as the Mavericks uh, if, you know, he could get his conditioning a little bit better. And, you know, that kind of goes hand in hand um, with some of the things that we see throughout the course of the season, you know, um, lackadaisical defense at times, uh, not not just, you know, bad defense, uh, you know, a possession or two, but he'll he'll have stretches throughout certain games, right, where he is, you know, kind of in a no man's land on defense, kind of, you know, letting guys blow past him, things of that nature. And, you know, that can happen every once in a while, of course. I understand understand that not every possession is, you know, going to be a stellar defense possession. It's the NBA, of course. But, you know, if, if Luca uh, could become a little bit more consistent on that end, I, I think that that would really do leaps and bounds in terms of, um, how he's viewed around the league. And I, I don't think he's a bad defender, especially when he tries. I mean, he's a, he's actually, I would say, an above-average defender. Um, but, you know, it's it's really that effort level, uh, that conditioning throughout the course of an 82-game season that, you know, if you're not in pristine, tip-top shape, uh, it can come back to bite you. Now, you know, given the proper load managing and the techniques of health professionals in the, in the NBA today, you know, anybody is able to, you know, sustain – you know, playing through the regular season at their own pace and then, you know, subsequently the playoffs. But, um, you know, for the Mavericks to, to yield the best results year after year, you know, you'd like to just see a little less of that sprinkled in and, you know, just a little bit more of, you know, Luca being able to get in tip-top shape. Because, I mean, I, I, I do think that it would pay overall dividends to some of the injuries that he gets. Um, you know, he's a heavy contact player. He obviously drives a lot. And, you know, as the season tends to go on and injuries sort of prevail, you see him defer more to being, you know, a little less aggressive at certain junctures of certain games, just depending on the importance of the game. And, you know, like I said, Luca is not going to be able to give a plus effort defensively every single possession. He, he's probably not going to be able to, um, you know, get to the rim every single time. I'm, I'm not asking him to turn into a supernova here, but, uh, you know, my main point being is that him getting in better shape could definitely help things. But he is all NBA first team. He obviously, you know, had an abundance of positives this year. I, I figured we just, you know, sort of plow through the the brief negatives before we got into everything. And, you know, so let's let's go ahead and do it. I mean, last year, I thought, you know, from an offensive perspective, uh, it was, you know, Luca had probably taken charge from the for the most that he's ever in his whole career we we saw him elevate um to a whole nother level in terms of you know his um offensive um abilities and you know this is coming from you know really every single facet of offensive basketball in, ter in terms of what Luca uh, I wouldn't say added to his game but amplified would would probably be the right word uh we saw him be able to, you know, pass out of the post. Um, we saw him operate in the post a little bit more, especially, um, you know, when those driving lanes weren't opening up for him, uh, when, you know, he was getting kind of absolutely, you know, clamored in the paint. 
Um, you know, he played the smart game. He's typically getting guarded by guards that even if they are lengthier, he does have a size advantage on. He was able to take advantage of that. And, you know, last year uh, we saw him be able to pass out to the weak side out of the post a lot more. We saw him, you know, and and by virtue of that, he was kind of able to do that because of his, you know, mid-range sort of fall away jump shot uh, in the post, you know, end up, you know, that was something that I think we, he featured a lot more last year. Um, you know, his ability to, you know, do a drop step and just get into the lane, things of that nature. Um, he was really clicking on all cylinders and, you know, other assets of his offensive game uh, that were also bolstered. I thought, um, you know, was, was honestly just his mid range shooting in general uh, really the last two seasons uh, he's elevated to a tier where he's just looked a lot more comfortable operating in that area, contrary to the few, first few seasons of his career. Uh, when, you know, I, I felt like he was a lot more drive and kick centric, you know, if, if he wasn't able to, you know, finish at the rim, he, you know, or within inside 10 feet by a floater or something like that, you know, it would obviously be a wraparound pass or something where he's, you know, getting, the ball back above the break or, you know, get, being able to hit a guy uh, that's cutting something like that. Right. Um, but, you know, these past two years, uh, Luca has really tapped into that, that bag that every superstar in the NBA nowadays has to have in some sort of form or fashion, uh, which is the mid range jump shot. And I mean, he's been able to take guys off the dribble and just kind of settle, you know, I, I wouldn't say that he just kind of dribbles and, you know, just lulls the defense down into mid-range jump shots, kind of like Kyrie does conversely. Um, but he, you know, when he's granted those opportunities in the post, or, you know, or he's getting the ball at the nail, you know, he he, he takes advantage. We saw, uh, I think, a little bit more off-ball movement from Luka this year. Uh, the Mavericks, you know, ran some pin downs to get him going downhill, uh, some curl-offs. Um, but I, I wouldn't say that that was a common stance that was that was happening every game you know I, I still think Luca has not fully been optimized with his you know astounding gravity uh in terms of an off-ball perspective I still think that there's things to unlock in the toolbox especially with another ball handler like Kyrie uh even if he doesn't come back you know if the Mavericks do have another guy that attracts that much gravity like a Kyrie um like a Jalen Brunson to where you know they can get you a bucket at any time as well I, I think that'll operate, you know, or be able to uh, open up a lot of things for Luca from an off-ball perspective in terms of the screening he could do uh, for other superstar, you know, teammates or and what have you, because we haven't really seen that ad nauseum in his career. There were a few possessions last year where he, you know, he screened for Kyrie and, you know, in the playoffs, I know the Mavericks experimented with him screening for Brunson sometimes, but there, there are layers to this. And I, I do think that that's another thing that the Mavericks could, kind of expose or, uh, you know, really if they can get into the wrinkle of that, you know, Luca's offensive potential is, you know, honestly limitless uh, at that point, right? Uh, especially if he can get to a point where his defense is at least league average on a nightly basis, sometimes, you know, depending on the gravity of the game, even above average, right? Um, those are like the recipes uh, for success in terms of, you know, what he can improve upon. But, I mean, the guy already, of course, is, you know, as uber talented as it gets. He shot a, you know, career high 22 field goal attempts last year. Um, like I said, I mean, it, the Mavericks offense a lot of times was 
you know, almost Luca step back three or, you know, Luca, you know, come off a Spain pick and roll or, and, uh, you know, facilitate to a big man or get to the rim or, or, or bust. It, it was just a lot of direct actions involving him at the point of attack. And I mean, he capitalized time in and, and, and time out again, because, um, you know, he, he just has such a, you know, at the real sort of sense um, in terms of how he, he's able to see the game of basketball. Right. Um, it, it almost seems like he has a, a third eye out there at times where uh, he is able to kind of diagnose what the defense is doing before uh, they even do it, especially when, you know, it's pertaining to pick and roll coverages, things of that nature. He is able to just beat guys um, strictly from his head and, and it's all instinctual based. Um, you know, it's truly a blessing to be able to get to cover him on a, on a day-to-day basis, not something I took for granted last year. Uh, and, and it was eye-opening to see, you know, a guy with his magnitude, with his size, uh, be able to, you know, facilitate as well as be a three-level scorer, um, you know, in, in every sort of form or fashion on offense. It was, it was, uh, it was eye-opening, you know, not from the perspective I hadn't watched him before this, of course, because, you know, I, I definitely had, but you know, once you start doing a podcast and stuff, that adds a whole nother layer of coverage and, you know, just watching the team every day religiously. Um, and it was it was pretty insane to watch. I can I can see why, you know, some of the Maverick fans of old covet Dirk and um, you know, now Luca, of course, as much as they do, because um, you know, he, he really does make magic happen on the basketball court. Um, you know, no pun intended. But I mean, barring just some of the things that you know, we've grown accustomed to seeing from Luca this past season and some of the things that he's, you know, kind of been able to add or kind of amplify within his game. Last season, of course, he still stayed very consistent with the staples of his game. Um, the ability to make like insane cross-court passes, um, you know, the ability to get a defender on his hip, probe in the pick and roll until he has an easy floater. Um, you know, when a guy goes under him on a screen, you know, just pulling up for a step back three um with confidence we we saw all that right and you know i could you know start micro analyzing or critiquing um you know his specific shot diet if i really wanted to uh you know especially in terms of how it coincides with his you know lack of conditioning throughout the the whole season and you know how he tends to settle more for step back threes at certain points um but you know i've already talked about about that a little bit and you know kind of mentioned it I, I feel like it is you know at least there in the background what's important is what he was you know really able to do last year for the Mavericks and you know that's you know being you know a, a three-level score with the ability to get to the basket um at a moment's notice to just be able to turn um you know a defender around from the from a post perspective um you know be able to use a euro step in the lane uh be able to you know, just diagnose when driving lanes are going to be opening up based on certain pick and the roll coverages, um, you know, how he can get the ball to the, to a shooter, shooter, shooter's pocket, uh, you know, in the best possible uh, position, just based on the defense is covering him, um, you know, when he, you know, should defer more to those step back threes uh, when he shouldn't, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I still thought he did a, a pretty great job of, and, you know, even like, in terms of getting to the rim, this is something that I think we'd called for him to do a little bit more after the past two seasons. 
And, you know, when I talk about Lucas conditioning, uh, I, I, I put an asterisk on it, you know, because like I said, like he came into this year in better shape than the last previous two seasons where he, you know, had that Olympic run, uh, I believe the, the year before, uh, and then he was doing like national team stuff, uh, this past year. And, you know, like the guy has been extremely busy playing basketball essentially year round. And this is the first time I think he still has some stuff for Slovenia to do this summer. If I, if I uh, don't stand corrected, but this is the first time he's really got uh, a decent break from the sport, um, been able to take more than like two weeks off. And I think that that um, will definitely bode well. So, you know, don't think that I'm trying to to discredit Luca or, or take anything away from him when I, I talk about, um, you know, the whole conditioning aspect of all of this. I, I do understand all the prerequisites of, you know, the, the burden that he has to carry for the Mavericks as, as well as how long he's been playing basketball. You know, I, I'm not trying to knock the guy. All I'm saying is that, you know, if he was in a little bit better shape, it, it would provide huge dividends for him and the Mavericks. That's, I mean, I, I think that we can all agree that that's a fact. And I'm not saying that, you know, it's expected of him or that he has to do that. You know, he, you know, I, I'm not an NBA player. I, I couldn't do what he's doing. I couldn't do any of this. So I, I'm not one to apply criticism from that perspective, but I, you know, I, I can at least try to provide foresight to what I think, you know, would happen if other things prevailed. So that'd be obviously optimal to see going forward. Um, but nonetheless, you know, to go back to what, what Luca had, you know, continued to do uh, just as good, or if not better than at some points in his career this season, uh, you know, was that dribble drive game. He got to the free throw line 10.5 times per game, uh, still kind of sitting around that, you know, uh, sort of mid-tier free throw percentage of 74.2%. Uh, you know, hasn't elevated beyond 75.8%, which was his second season in the league. So, you know, his continued development as a shooter is definitely something to keep a keen eye on. But, you know, when you do reach the volume of, you know, the shots that he has, as well as the difficulty of the shots that he's taking, um, you know, you, you have to give credit where it's due because I mean, it's, it's readily impressive, um, you know, especially when defenses have had multiple years to diagnose how to cover you uh, when guys are more keyed in on you, especially, you know, just given the status of Luca, um, how he's able to still, you know, up his, you know, points per game and uh, his, his free throw attempts, and, and you know it it was it was insane to watch um cuz luka is obviously not the most you know highlight uh real player at the end of the day uh but to see the way that he's able to sort of um orchestrate a masterpiece every game um and just hit guys in the right spots it's it's truly you know a, a beauty to be you know part of just from covering i've said that a few times but you know, I'm just so excited to see how the Mavericks can fully optimize him. You know, you know, if if Kyrie does come back, what they could build around this team if they are able to, you know, instill the proper defensive places, the proper shooters around him. You know, all hopefully guys that aren't as one dimensional as some of the Mavericks current personnel. You know, maybe not a dynamic big man, but at least one that's more serviceable than, uh, you know, the Mavericks had proven to provide last year. Now we can argue whether that's due to coaching, you know, the front office and all that, but. You know, I'm just talking strictly about the facts. Um, I mean, I, I think that we could see Luca's ele- Luca's game elevate to a level that it, you know, hasn't even elevated to yet, especially given 
uh, what seems like a, an off season that's going to be filled with more rest. Um, he's going to have a lot more time to relax and get his body right. Um, but I mean, he, he improved within the margins last year in a lot of important areas, like, you know, getting back to the free throw line in a good clip, um, you know, having that explosive first step that I felt like, you know, wasn't as explosive maybe the last couple of years, um, you know, before that bubble season, you know, he was in the best shape of his uh, career last year, uh, maybe only rivaled by uh, that second season in the league, like I'd said. And, you know, you can still get in better shape. That's why I've been saying everything I have. But uh, it was, you know, his dynamism from that perspective was uh, really unbelievable to watch. Uh, he got a few more, st- or he got uh, a tick or two more steals than he has in his career with 1.4 last year. You know, like I said, instinctually, I think he's just getting a lot better defensively, you know, being in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, being able to sort of read and react off ball a little bit better, uh, not take as many, you know, of those gambles that we may have seen him take earlier in his career. Uh, he, he's getting a little smarter, only 3.6 turnovers per game last year. He'd been above, you know, well in the mid fours uh, the last three seasons since his rookie year. And, you know, with increased playing time, that's something that, you know, to get down almost, a you know, basically a whole turnover a game uh, was was really impressive considering that there were times, you know, throughout the season um, that, you know, it felt like Luca was turning the ball over a little bit more. But, you know, at the end of the day, it, it you know, in retrospect, you know, I honestly kind of noticed that there were a lot of those games where, yeah, he may have a high dosage turnover game, but he corrected the next night. And that that's kind of the thing with Luca in terms of if the Mavericks, you know, can get those three and D wings and that rim running, you know, you know, stretch five or whatever the archetype is that, you know, we, we think would be most appropriate to surround him and hopefully Kyrie. Um, What, what does full optimization Luca look like? Does it necessarily constitute that he's going to have higher counting stats? Maybe not. I mean, maybe there's a little bit more, spreading the love going around. I I sure think he'd probably have higher assist numbers. Uh, he's a guy who really makes an effort to get guys involved. I mean, sometimes even at his own expense. I mean, there was multiple times this season where he he probably could have took, you know, you know, heel, you know, heat of the offense a little bit more than he did. Uh, and he, and he would kind of defer and we've seen him at times get into the paint and, and pass out of favorable scenarios. Now, I think he did a better job of that this season, but you know, if, if Luca, is sitting around that three turnover a game, uh, you know, number. He he's a little more conditioned, locked in on defense. Um, you know, there's it's going to be a scary side if the Mavericks are able to effectively surround the right personnel. Even if he doesn't improve his shooting, if he even improves his shooting marginally, I thought his best shooting season was probably the year before last, where he shot thirty five point three percent from three. Um, I mean, if he can just even get to that on a consistent basis and get that free throw level. Uh, somewhere near 80 or around 80 at some point of his career. I mean, you know, you're, you're looking at a guy who essentially has no holes in this game. I mean, he, he can even be a solid defender, even if not an elite one one day. So uh, the sky is obviously the limit 24 year old superstar. And you know, the Mavericks have a lot on their plate in terms of being able to surround the roster with adequate talent because lose, losing this guy would probably be, you know, single-handedly, uh, you know, one of the bigger travesties in franchise history, maybe only, rivaled by the Mavericks not you know inability to surround Dirk with talent in his latter years you know losing Luca just straight up one day uh would would really really suck now obviously you know Luca had his first year of his um rookie extension uh last year so you know he's he's making big money now we got him uh locked up 
Um, but he is slotted, I believe, to be um, a free agent in the 2025 offseason, if I'm not mistaken. I may need to fact check that to be sure. But, you know, I, I wouldn't say the clock is ticking on the Mavericks, but, you know, uh, it, it kind of is from a, from a certain perspective because, you know, we, we talked about it ad nauseum all year. Um, you know, Luca obviously, you know, was a little less joyous throughout the course of the year in a losing season for the Mavericks, uh, one where they didn't even crack 500. You know, the only other time that this has happened in his whole career was his rookie year, but it was also like Dirk's last year and the expectations weren't as high. Uh, this is the first time that we've seen something kind of like this. And, you know, were this to persist, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, some fans have a preconceived idea that, you know, European superstars are just, you know, devoutly loyal because they see Giannis and they see Dirk. I mean, I I don't think that where they're from necessarily constitutes their loyalness or not. Um, I, you know, do think, you know, obviously they're culturally different, but uh, I, I still think granted if things were to go completely haywire in Dallas, then I don't think Luca would, you know, just concede and, you know, take pay cuts to keep trying to improve the roster. The The time is now. And the Mavericks need to figure it out so it doesn't get to that point. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Luca, you know, would stay overtly loyal to the Mavericks. And, you know, we'd at least have that in our back pocket, even if it just takes years and years to get a roster around him. But I mean, he's starting to enter his mid-prime now, which is crazy to say because he's been in the league for five years. You'd you'd think that, you know, he like would be like 28 or 29 at this point. But you know, of course, coming in so young, he's this highly touted prospect. You know, he's only going to be 25 uh, or turn 25 during the season, 24 for some of the season next year. Um, so there's obviously, you know, a, a huge uh, opportunity here for the Mavericks to really capitalize because, you know, another season or two, who knows what happens in this day and age uh, with guys making trade requests. Um, I just an- another, you know, failed or missed season, you know, as you're trying to capitalize upon, Luka Doncic's mid prime. I mean, I wouldn't even know if I, I mean, I don't know unless, you know, at the rate that he's going, where he's at least fine tuning, you know, some of the intricacies through his game uh, year after year, you know, he's still improving uh, miraculously. And I mean, if you were to do that this year uh, with some of the things that I kind of outlined at the beginning, that would uh, be, you know, insane. I mean, he, he had a career high in field goal percentage last year at 49.6, was just getting to the rim more, you know, even if we did see that ability wane at the tail end of the season. I mean, you know, his first like 50 games or so until all-star break was just uh, chaos from an opposing team's perspective. I, it just didn't look like there was any way you could stop him. It was really fun to watch, even if the Mavericks had uh, no answer for teams on the other end defensively. Um, so if, if he is, you know, able to, you know, improve around the margins even even more so, you know, then the Mavericks are are set up in terms of having done the hard part, having got that superstar player, having having got that complete 1A best player on a championship team. They just have to curate the roster behind him, uh, you know, with their allotted assets and, you know, ma- manage their cap correctly. This is not just a one-year project, or guys, you know. I, I know a lot of people are, you know, very locked into this offseason and how it's going to go. You know, as am I, I, I do think it's probably one of the more important off seasons in franchise history due to the volatility of superstars in today's NBA. And, you know, what could happen with Kyrie, of course, too, which was a huge piece that we'll get into in the next podcast. And of course, had you know, the future implications 
uh, with Luca and and how he views the Mavericks going forward. This offseason is massive, but it doesn't just end there. Like the Mavericks, you know, only one out of 30 teams wins the finals every year. They need to be diligent in making sure they're putting the best product on the court every year. So even if, you know, they don't win that, uh, that ultimate goal of a championship, Luca, you know, is still, you know, in, in the, uh, you know, is in lockstep with the Mavericks and, and still wants to be here, still wants to win in Dallas. Um, you know, you don't have to, I, I don't think of things like, a you know, we're missing a certain championship window here with Luca, you know, I, that that's something that maybe like when he gets to like 28, 29, 30, 31, maybe we start to develop that narrative of, Oh, he hasn't won a championship yet. Why, you know, does he just want to go elsewhere? I, I, I think he's still locked in trying to, to win with one team, but you know, if the Mavericks aren't, you know, obviously carrying on their part of the deal, that's where I think uh, complications could arise in terms of his future in Dallas. But look, you know, um, he, he's still under contract until um, I believe the 2025 offseason. I can fact check this real quick. I just want to confirm this. Um, yes. So I uh, signed a five-year. Yeah, so I mean, he'll be, he'll be under, you know, He'll be earning around forty million at the end of that contract, and I believe he's only going to be, um, if he's twenty four now, give or take two years. Yeah, he'll be like twenty six, twenty seven, um, really entering the the bulk of his prime. You know, those three years from kind of where you're like twenty six to to thirty is considered most guys' primes, and I mean that's you know where Luke is going to get in a, a massive deal on this new CBA from whoever team, but he can obviously earn the most with the Mavericks. Um, you get that five-year supermax, and that that's going to be you know something that needs to be made a huge priority in terms of how the Mavericks operate with their franchise. Um, you know because he he is the epicenter of this whole thing. He is what makes uh, the years work from everybody else's perspective. You know the Mavericks could build the perfect roster um, this offseason, but you know if if even if they still have Kyrie. Um, you know, it's gonna it's gonna be hard for them to get to the promised land still without Luca. I mean, that that's just um yeah, he he essentially just alleviates so much different stresses offensively that a lot of NBA teams have to worry about from you know an that the, an offensive creation standpoint, but being able to shoulder a little bit of that burden, you know, a lot of NBA teams have a lot of you know, they have multiple sort of you know, two B or three C sort of guys. Um, you know, leading that offensive attack. But at the end of the day, none of those guys, you know, have as high of maybe a usage rate as Luca. You know, if they can just get it, you know, if they can retain Kyrie, add a little more dynamism offensively, not as become one, you know, not be as one dimensional, it would do leaps and bounds for the Mavericks, you know. And I can, you know, sit here and try and diagnose Luca's holistic game you know, at the end of the day, from an offensive and defensive perspective, all I want, but I I couldn't really do justice. I would need like 24 hours to really just get into everything because of, you know, just how truly insane he is as a player. But I mean, last year he elevated to um, yet another tier, right. And the the Mavericks um, have to have to elevate with him because if, if they keep going backwards as he's going forwards, that's, when problems are going to be prevailing and uh, Mavs land and the mainstream Mavs podcast could become a much more somber um, sort of setting. But we, uh, uh, you know, we got to be cautiously optimistic. The Mavericks haven't proven uh, 
free agency after free agency that they're, you know, or just rather off season after off season. I don't even like using the word free agency, just given all the other added layers of team building that, um, you know, persist nowadays, especially with the new CBA and everything. Um, but the Mavericks, you know, they, they can't keep going backwards and uh, that'll be a, a huge test. So everything's huge right now. Lucas huge. Uh, the Mavericks off season's huge. Uh, let's see what happens, but I mean, you know, Luca himself is outstanding. Yes, there are some things as I kind of covered. If he's able to fine tune his shot there at the course of his career, get his conditioning a little bit better. I mean, you could, you know, really look at the at the second coming of one of the better players um, in, in league history from an offense perspective. Maybe, you know, the second coming of you know LeBron in terms of the longevity he may be able to to hold here uh, if he's able to do some some of those things. But you know, that's just projecting. Um, in terms of even looking at the here and the now, if this is peak Luca, if this is all we get, uh, the Mavericks still have a guy that can win you a championship given the right pieces. So um, it is a is quintessential to the Mavericks being that this offseason goes uh, accordingly. So we'll, uh, we'll just have to see what happens from that perspective. Um, but, you know, now uh, if we kind of want to just go into some of the more structured things, of the uh, season or review things. Cause I, I kind of just glossed all over the place, uh, you know, with Luca there and just kind of talked uh, randomly about everything to do with his game. But I mean, that's, I kind of wanted to just go unscripted because I felt that would be the best way for my thoughts to not be diluted or anything like that. Uh, just get everything off the top of my head in terms of how great he is. Cause I think that he deserves that due diligence. Right. Um, but you know, like I said, let, let's kind of adhere to the structure here. Um, like we've done with these other season interview podcasts, um, biggest improvement from previous year. Um, I would say Lucas probably, you know, we talked about this on the podcast, but I would say Lucas probably biggest improvement from the 2021, uh, 22 season, you know, I would say probably his post game, but, um, even more so probably his dribble drive game. And I was only hesitant to say that because he was good at that at one point in his career or not. That, I mean, this, this all sounds so convoluted. He was obviously, he's obviously always been amazing at that, but he obviously, you know, it elevated it to another tier. You know, you can see by the free throw attempts in that 2019, 20 bubble season. Um, and he was able to, to get it to a point even where he was doing better uh, this year. So I would probably say that in, in his post-up game, um, biggest thing Luca needs to improve upon next year. I've already talked about this kind of uh, throughout the podcast, just in terms of the things that he could sort of fine tune uh, around the margins to be a little bit better. But you know, one thing I haven't talked about yes, uh, yet was, uh, you know, the complaining to referees, the getting back on defense. I think that more so than anything is going to fall into the fixable or patchable category. Um, you know, it's not something that requires – a lot of hard physical work, but it will require a lot of uh, him, you know, doing his due diligence mentally and, and trying to get locked in, realizing that there is more at stake. Um, you know, he does cost his team at certain portions throughout games. You know, he is obviously carrying a huge burden, um, but that doesn't excuse, you know, when he's complaining to refs, uh, when he gets so many technicals in a season, I think two years in a row now, it's where he has to get suspended for a game late in the year. Um, I, I Maybe that I think this year got rescinded in the latter you know, or the last few games, but I mean, things of that nature and, you know, just costing his team possessions on defense by not getting back and, you know, li- leaving a five on four scenario uh, that that'll be huge. I, I think, um, you know, as Luca's game has got progressively better throughout his career, I think the complaining to ref stuff has got progressively worse. I think it's got a little worse every year. He 
kind of maybe views himself at a different status every single year in terms of the way he's able to talk to, you know, the the way that he talks to, to referees or the calls he thinks he should be getting. And, you know, he is justified in a lot. I mean, he gets a lot of contact. He also, you know, initiates a, a lot of contact just due to his play style. Um, but, you know, there are instances where I think it's warranted. I'm not saying that referees are perfect or that they receive the benefit of the doubt every time, but I, I think that Luca would benefit a little bit um, from, you know, when it's those kind of 50, 50 calls, just, you know, putting up or shutting up and getting back on defense um, that, that would be, you know, huge. And, you know, just that could end up affecting the Mavericks win wise, maybe a few more wins a year marginally, you never know what could have happened last year from that perspective. Uh, so that's obviously something he's going to need to, you know, continue to fix. I know he says he's going to fix it every year, but he never does. So it may just be something we have to live with, but uh, we'll have to to see going forward because um, it obviously provides a huge hamper on certain stretches throughout certain games and can sort of derail the momentum when, you know, Luca doesn't get back for a possession or two. So, and there's really nobody to call him out because of his status on the team. So, um, you know, having a guy like Kyrie to be able to do that um, next year, if he wants to, you know, sort of tap into that leadership role um, a little more vocally, because Luca's, you know, a guy that t- tends to lead a little bit more by example, uh, that'll be an interesting dynamic, and especially just seeing how they play together next year and how they they delegate, um, you know, the the offensive uh, possessions with each other if they if they play more synchronized with each other as they were starting to kind of get the gist of at the end of the season. There will be a fascinating development to see if Kyrie stays. You know, this is the season interview podcast, so. We review the players and talk about them individually, of course, but, you know, I, I do want to reserve a future podcast this offseason for just the Luca and Kyrie pairing and how it could look going forward, especially, uh, you know, once they're fully optimized, if, if Kyrie does come back to the Mavericks, that is, and, um, you know, how, how they can better play together. Because while, you know, they did start to get good at trading off possessions and they did have some more actions involved, um, you know, directly involving each other uh, at the later part of the season there, I still think that there's some more things that Jason Kidd can unlock in the toolbox. Uh, that are sort of on tap. So that that's going to be fun to microanalyze this off season. If we, you know, sit down, break some film down, stuff like that. I'm uh, that, that would be really fun. And I think it's uh, something that deserves a, a talking point to say the least, because um, you know, the, uh, the absolute insane offensive, uh, you know, production that those two, those two together can yield. Um, otherwise, um, you know, if we're going to diagnose Lucas sustainability reading, you know, just a rating, my bad, uh, following the structure of this player profile right here. Um, I would say for this year specifically, um, I would go eight out of 10 just for the off chance, maybe nine out of 10, maybe nine out of 10. Um, he's obviously, you know, the one untouchable on the Mavericks, I would say uh, pretty definitively. He's, you know, not going anywhere or anything like that. But, uh, you know, if the Mavericks were just direct to drastically screw things up, I would probably say nine out of 10, just in that off scenario that he somehow leaves by the trade deadline. They just, and he demands a trade because the Mavericks are like 20 and like 32 or some shit like that. But that that's obviously not something we want to think about. So I would say probably nine out of 10, uh, cause I can't say 10 out of 10 for anybody. I mean, that would, that would be a, a disservice unless the Mavericks were just coming off, you know, a deep playoff run or a finals run. And they still have Luca, like, you know, I'd probably say 10 out of 10 at that point. Um, but I do, I think, I do think he'll at least be on the team for this season, like in, in extremely, you know, I, I can say that in, uh, with pretty extreme confidence and that's going to happen in all likelihood, but could the problems persist next off season, uh, potentially that the ensuing trade deadline, uh, of the 2024, 25 season. I mean, maybe, uh, it's, 
it's I wouldn't say unlikely, but it, it, I mean, I wouldn't say likely, but it's not unlikely is what I would probably kind of say on that. So I'd probably say one uh, nine out of ten. And then uh, my one surprising staff for Luca, not nearly surprising, but he had the second highest usage rate in the NBA this year. I you know was thinking of trying to figure out some sort of crazy stat to do with his defense or you know something with his pace or his effort, but I mean I, I just you know your boys only got so much capacity um, for the uh, the research on second spectrum that I can find with NBA.com, especially um, as I try to get better with the the filters and everything on here and. You know, I, I don't have access to some of the um, more advanced stats that you can kind of find out there on Twitter and stuff like that. So um, I, I just thought, you know, simplistically, I think his his usage percentage says a lot about how his season played out last year, about the burden that he had to carry for this Mavericks team that, you know, was severely um, understaffed at certain, you know, places and as far as their personnel goes and, you know, with their wings um, and their ability to produce in the big man spot, you know, all, all things that are, of course, hugely important, you know, obviously the third ball handler spot too, uh, throughout large stretches of the season, um, you know, even with Dinwiddie, that was a, that was a huge thing in terms of Lucas production and, you know, just having, you know, more one-dimensional players offensively, even if, you know, we're not talking about Kyrie or Dinwiddie or the, you know, second or third ball handler or whatever it is, right. Or, you know, even Jaden Hardy's late year ascension, you know, all those, um, promising things that kind of persisted throughout the season from help that Luca got uh, were not near enough to to undermine um, you know the one dimensionality of some of the wings on this roster as well as the you know lack of ball handling and offense creation from other other outlets you know whether it being you know Christian Wood not playing enough whatever it was um, you know Luca had a usage percentage of thirty seven and a half percent last year it was only second in the league to Giannis and uh, idealistically that that's got to go down a little bit. You know, Giannis's usage percentage is that high, um, but he also has the, you know, surrounding pieces uh, to be able to, you know, win a championship. I mean, I, I say that don't don't take that verbatim because he obviously didn't get there that year. But theoretically, on paper, they're at least good enough. The Mavericks aren't even good enough theoretically on paper. Right. So if they can at least get there, then they're in the discussion point of, you know, then they actually got to do it and we'll see what happens. And that's when we start, you know, diagnosing uh, head head coaching moves during the playoffs, you know, some somewhere where I wish we were right now, you know, in the finals, but, you know, not like any of the other NBA uh, team centric podcasts besides the heat and the nuggets are there. So we'll take our blessings where we can. Um, but yeah, I mean, that usage percentage extremely high. If Luca uh, can get that down, you know, even marginally, or, I mean, even if it goes up with the Mavericks, you know, just have come to optimize, you know, playing around him a little bit more, but, you know, just given the guy, you know, and, he, his assist numbers go up and the usage percentage goes up. That's fine. Or, you know, the usage percentage just goes down a little bit, but I mean, it's, it's truly emblematic of how the Mavericks used him and, you know, how the supporting cast uh, was put around Luca last year. Um, but uh, barring that, I don't got too much more uh, for you guys today in terms of Luca. I felt like I took a big holistic approach. I mean, it, it's, I obviously can't get in, you know, heavy detail about every sort of segment of Luca's season. You know, I can only get into as much as my mind allowed me. Um, but I mean, I, I main thing I wanted to stress throughout this broadcast was just the importance of this offseason um, and how, you know, that's going to be conducive to Luca's future in Dallas, because that is what we need to be concerned about right now. But I mean, Luca had a great season, another all NBA first team appearance. Uh, a lot of people would say he was maybe undeserving of that. I'm kind of, you know, on the fence if he deserved it or not, but uh, I, I wouldn't say that he didn't deserve it. 
uh, as well. You know, he, he had a hell of a season and I'm glad that he was able to get that. I don't know if that has any implications in terms of his supermax or anything like that. I don't think he is. Cause he's been a perpetual all NBA guy. So I don't really, you know, I, I need to get another uh, read up on my CBA knowledge. I've been kind of lacking recently. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, this is the the spearhead. This is the 1A best player on the Dallas Mavericks. And this is the Dallas Mavericks podcast, the Mainstream Mouse podcast. And the Mavericks got their work cut out for him in terms of surrounding Luka with adequate talent because he is amazing and all glory to him because hopefully he leads us to the promised land one day. That is the that is the hope. And, you know, we can end the podcast with Holly Luka. Um, you know, I'm, I, I won't praise Luka in a, in a religious sense. Um, you know, j- just due to other things. Um, but I will say that if there was somebody in my life, um, an earthly being that I did have to, uh, you know, devout my life and my faith to, um, if if that was a scenario that were somehow real in my life, then it would be Luca. So what's a, you know, continue to treat him um, as, you know, we, we have continued to do as far as fans go and we'll see where this thing goes forward. But this has been Will today, uh, covering up Luca's season review for the past 2022-2023 season uh, in terms of how he fared this past season for the Mavericks and what to look to uh, as we go forward in his career. It's uh, been an exciting podcast. Can't wait to get back on the mic and do this Kyrie one with Jaron here whenever uh, we get a chance to crack that out. We'll also be getting into the the whole rumors with LeBron uh, and that whole Kyrie-LeBron, you know, coming to Dallas rumor, uh-huh, air quotes. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be getting into all that sort of stuff. So it's exciting. We're going to be hashing out a lot of content. Obviously, we just got that other player profile season review podcast that you guys can check out. It's our last episode um, that we did Reggie Bullock, Tim Hardaway Jr. and Maxi Kleber on. Um, but yeah, um, barring that, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Mainstream214. We just got a new account because uh, we had to get rid of the old one, unfortunately. Make sure to follow us on YouTube, Mainstream Mouse Podcast. Give us a subscribe. Comment down below. Uh, what do you think Luca is going to average from the free throw line percentage wise next year? Is he going to finally crack the 80% um, sphere? Is he going to, is he going to get within that realm? If you are listening on Apple podcasts or Spotify or any other podcast platform, uh, make sure to give us a five-star rating and a good review or follow or subscribe or whatever that button is to make sure that you, you know, get notifications for our podcast. We would really appreciate that. We really appreciate you guys for sticking with us amidst this adversity with our whole Twitter situation. Um, you know, we're going to continue to uh, pay dividends on that uh, for you guys that have stuck with us. We really appreciate it. And uh, we're excited for the summer and to cover the Mavericks and whatever they may do this summer from summer league to all the moves that they're making. You can catch it all here on the Mainstream Mavs podcast. This is Will, and I will catch you guys in the next one.